Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm so glad you're tuning in. If you are, I'm guessing that the title struck a chord with you. You are a working parent, and there's something about those two parts of your identity that are tricky sometimes. Maybe you had challenges with boundaries with work or stress related to work before you became a parent, and now you've got other priorities and this other part of your identity, and you're trying to figure out how can these two parts of myself dance with each other in a way that feels quote unquote balanced in a way that feels like I'm giving enough to these different parts of myself. Well, we are going to unpack all of that in today's episode. I invited Justine Carino, a therapist based in New York to come onto the podcast. This is her specialty, and I can't wait for you to learn more from her as she walks us through the red flags to look for and tangible steps that you can take to building a healthier relationship with all these parts of your identity. The working parent. If this is you, I'm so glad you're tuning in. Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Justine. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on, and I'm really excited to dive into our topic today. But before we do, I would love for you to give the listeners a chance to get to know you and maybe share a little bit about yourself, and maybe we can throw in there how we initially got connected. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I always love talking to you. So I'm an anxiety treatment expert and licensed mental health counselor with a private practice in New York, and I work with teens, adults, and families. And I also host the podcast Thoughts from the Couch, and I recently created an online course, which I can talk a little bit about later. Um, But I met you a few years ago when I was starting my practice, and I heard you as a guest on the Sure Babe podcast, and I was like, oh my goodness, there's therapists that are on podcasts, and there's therapists that have an Instagram. How cool (laughs) is this? And I kind of started following you, and you had some coaching services for um, therapists starting a practice. So I reached out to you and had some sessions with you that were so helpful, and some of them related to the topic we're going to talk about today, which is like balancing work life and being a mom. 
Yeah. I think the listeners here probably don't know that I have that other business um, where I have courses and coaching for therapists interested in starting a modern private practice. And it's so it's it feel it feels so full circle because we had those coaching sessions and you I think you were on your maternity leave or you were you were just starting to get back into private practice following your maternity leave and yeah it was a lot of the conversations revolved around the sort of transition back into work and having a child and being an entrepreneur and now full circle I know because you and I have since become friends that a lot of the work that you do and a lot of the folks that you're supporting are navigating those things as well. And it's just so funny because, you know, the reason I love coaching therapists, especially moms navigating entrepreneurship is because it's something that I struggled with and, you know, it's continuous work. It's always something that I'm having to kind of come back to and check in with myself around. And it's so it's so cool to see how you've done a lot of work for yourself and now you're supporting others. So I'm so glad that we got connected and that now full, full, full circle, we're talking about this on a podcast together. Yes. It's so crazy how it's all intertwined that way. And it's like, I heard you on a podcast. Now I get to be on your <laughs> podcast. And also I forgot to mention you you taught me how to podcast because you had a course for therapists <laughs> wanting to podcast. So it's all intertwined. It's very intertwined. Yes. It and I was on your podcast. Yes. You were on mine as well. We all have to link it in the show notes. We talked about defining your values and how it just goes so much beyond just like, oh, what are my values? But like truly values work and knowing your values can be so supportive when it comes to navigating, developing a new relationship with your emotions and those moments where we get really triggered or just like big life decisions, like the small moments and the big moments. Values can just play such a huge part and I'm sure that'll come up today. Uh, but uh, let's let's kind of let's kind of set the stage. So we're talking here about this idea of balancing work and parenting. And I think <laughs> I'll quickly come out and say, like, I think this whole idea of balance is BS. Like, I just – like, balance means that everything's equal on both sides. That's balance, right? Mm -hmm. But is that is that attainable? Is that realistic? I'd love to hear some of your initial thoughts. Why is this particular topic something that you care so deeply about? And what are some of the common things that you see from your clients that are maybe struggling with this relationship between work and and balancing family life? That was my that was my puppy for the listeners. We're gonna see, we're gonna see how many appearances the puppy makes. <laughs> Speaking of balancing work and family life, yeah. right? You have a puppy in the background while you're working today. We we were crazy. Like, what were we thinking? Like, we've got three kids. One of them's a toddler. It honestly feels like having two toddlers in the house. Like, the toddler, like my youngest, like she'll take the toys down, and the puppy just spreads them around. <laughs> like, it's just they're yes. they're a beautiful chaotic team. I love that. No, I love it. So yeah, I could speak to this topic really from two 
points of view. One, personally, right? So I, I'm someone that loves working. I've always been a worker. I've had a job probably since I was 15. There are times in my life where I've had three jobs at a time, right? So I, I enjoy working. I love working. Um, and I love being a mom. And I became a mom and it kind of had to shift my time and values around. So I can talk about that personally, but also professionally as a clinician, I found myself um, resonating with the same type of client over and over again that ended up in my office. And this was like the really anxious person that was like highly perfectionistic, high achieving, very successful, and also wanted to have healthy family life, right? And there was a big struggle of these women having such drives and passion about their careers, but also wanting to be a good mom. And it's kind of like this idea of I want to be the best at everything, which is a, a kind of a belief we have to unpack too. Like I want to be the best mom there is and I want to be the best business owner or the best employee or the best lawyer or doctor. And how can I navigate this because this belief and need to be the best all the time is making me burnt out, stressed, unhappy, and anxious. Um, and I think many moms have guilt in both directions. If they are killing it at work, they're losing something at home. And if they're killing it at home, they feel like they're losing something at work. So that's it's hard. This is really hard to do. And we need to talk about it. And we need to support women that are trying to do this. Mm. And I can't help but think as you're kind of describing this experience, the role of gender discourses, societal expectations, and yeah, just gender, power, all of that stuff is coming up for me right now. Um, and I would love for us to touch on that. First, though, I'd love to hear, and maybe intertwined <laughs> with that piece, I'd love to hear about your experience in that transition, you know, from, you know, working and loving, loving your job, loving working, and then, and having that kind of relationship with your job, and then becoming a mom, and how that shifted things for you personally in terms of, I think you mentioned values and, mm -hmm. you know, time yeah. and priorities. So I kind of had two phases of this and they were different which, with each um, child I have. I have two kids now. So with my first child, my son, he's now four, um, he was 10 months when I started my practice. So it was all very exciting in both ends, but I loved the flexibility. Like, wow, I can create my own hours. Um, about when I'm going to work so I can spend the mornings with him because he goes to bed by 6.30 anyway as like a little guy. So I can see clients later. And so that was exciting, but there's also so many options that it can feel overwhelming. And I was still kind of conditioned to like work a certain amount of hours because that's what I was used to doing. You know, before I had him, I could work 50 to 60 hours a week if I wanted to. But then I learned like, oh, I don't want to do that much anymore but I still love my job and how can I feel good about both? And so it it was a struggle. And that were some of the conversations I had with you is like, how do I set boundaries around my hours at work of, you know, wanting to be home with my son, but loving my my work and my clients and being really excited and passionate. So you helped me with some of that boundary setting. And then when I had my second child, it got harder. Um, and it, I the level of stress and anxiety I felt coming back from my maternity leave was 
so bad. It was so overwhelming. But even on my maternity leave, I remember there were moments I would, you know, my husband would get home or I would go from a walk with my daughter in the stroller. And I was like, yes, I get to pull out my phone and check all of my emails, even though I have an away message that I'm on maternity leave. (laughs) And I get to like, look at what everyone's doing on social media and tend Mm. to my Instagram account. And then feel left out that I wasn't doing the things that I saw other therapists doing at the time or other people doing their business. I know reels became a thing. I was like, oh, my goodness, I have to learn how to do a reel now. But then feeling frustrated, like, I can't do that right now. I am on maternity leave. So it was this huge tug of war between, wow, I have now an established career in business, but I'm taking time away from it um, to be a mother and focus on my maternity leave and bond with my baby. It was so much harder with the second one than the first. Oh my gosh, I can really relate. And I think, you know, some of these points that you made here in terms of just like, you know, your like availability, flexibility, freedom before you became a parent and, you know, how much you were able to show up at your job and what the boundaries were then or or, or not so many boundaries, right? Like I know for myself with my first – I was – I had a boss at the time. I was a therapist, but I had a boss. And I remember, you know, before I became a mom, I was super available. Like I definitely have people-pleasing tendencies, which impacts boundaries and perfectionist like performance stuff that definitely, you know, shows up for me. And when I became a mom – all of a sudden I wasn't as available and I my boundaries became that much more clear because of the sacrifice that I would be making if I was if I had loose boundaries and that was really tricky identity wise and so there was like there were the conversations I had to have in terms of my working relationships and then there was also some really important conversations that had to happen in our home between my partner and I Because when it comes to roles, expectations, a lot of this goes sort of like unsaid and you just kind of get into these sort of habits, right, or roles and take on certain load, take on certain loads in, you know, having a family or having a home. And when I started, when I had, when we had a child and all of a sudden the, the roles are expanding and it was, it was something that we really had to take time to talk about. Um, and we didn't do a really great job of that with that first maternity leave when I was heading back into work, like just really talking about like what is this going to look like in terms of nighttime parenting, in terms of, you know, who's doing what in the home because now we both have jobs and we have this – we have a child. And that was – that really created some – tension in our partner relationship and led to resentment and a lot of stuff. And so, you know, we eventually got support and it was a lot better the second time around because we were so proactive about having those conversations. But I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on on this piece in terms of partner relationships, like gender roles and expectations, um, you know, in in, in a relationship, looking at like the history context, like all the stuff that we bring into like our family life that might impact 
in, ter- in terms of, you know, our roles with our children and also, you know, our expectations when it comes to work, our relationship with our jobs. Yeah, like what kind of what kind of insight or support are you offering your clients to kind of do this this work of really looking at these these other pieces? Yeah. So I think that's one way we've always connected is we're we're system thinkers. So listeners tuning in, like I really look, and I know you do too, as um, the family from generation to generation and what patterns are being passed down um, and how we function as a system in the family, like our role in the system in the family system, right? So I do something called a genogram with every single one of my clients Mm -hmm. where we map out the family tree and we look for three generations. And a lot of times people are like, why do you want to know about my grandmother? And I get to explain like, this is map. This is the blueprint to who you are now, but specifically why you have the beliefs that you have. And so if I'm working with a client, because I I coach a lot of um, working moms that they want to find this balance. So we look particularly for like beliefs around work. Beliefs drive behavior and our beliefs come from life experiences, which include how our parents did things, how our parents modeled things to us, how our community or greater community models to us or has expectations for us. So we want to look at that in terms of work-life balance, right? Were your parents people that both worked really hard? Did they like their jobs? Did they hate their jobs? Mm. What's the narrative around that? Where did your grandparents come from? Were they immigrants? What's their view on making it here in America? What what did hard work look like, right? Were there stay-at-home moms? Were there Was there financial financial struggles. So we really get deep and unpack all of this information because it helps inform your choices around work and your beliefs around work, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I want to make it clear that when I'm talking about like my partner relationship, I'm in a heterosexual relationship. And so that's sort of, you know, when I am reflecting on my own experience, it's myself and my husband. Um, And, as you were talking, I was thinking about our partner relationship in, in terms of like what was modeled to him or what role model did he have for like what it means to have children and have a job and, you know, have a role in the house in raising kids. And like for him, you know, his, his dad worked um, – he's a fisherman, so he was gone most of the time really hard worker and supported not only their family, but other relatives as well financially. And, you know, that, like, I think what what my husband kind of got from that was like, it is really important to provide, um, but there wasn't necessarily a strong model for like, how do I provide while also not being overseas, you know, and like, and, and provide not just financially, but emotionally, like, um, you know, task-wise, like just around the house. And um, and then I think about my own like context in history as you're kind of describing, and I love genograms because I just think it really gives people a chance to step back and look at the big picture and see how they and maybe their partner coming together, like what they are both bringing into the partner relationship in terms of context, um, but also gives people a chance to see what cycles do I want to break? You know, if I want to be a a cycle breaker. And yeah. when I think back to when I kind of picture my own genogram, because I've, I've had, I've done one for myself, 
I think about my father who grew up in a home where money was really scarce and that definitely contributed to like stress and anxiety around around money. My mom, a Hispanic woman who, you know, really had to fight a lot of barriers to have a seat at the table, the same table that my dad was sitting at because they were both public defenders. And they worked a lot. And I hardly ever saw them rest, you know. Um, And when there were moments for rest, like work really came into those moments of rest, like work came on vacation. Like it took them a lot, a lot of time to really decompress. And, And I also think about the ways in which um, they modeled to me like how passionate they were about their job. Like you could have a job that you loved because they mm-hmm. did, but also that work really took up a lot of space. Um, and and they also were really encouraging to me from the get-go. I mean, my dad had a sign made when I was born that said, welcome home, future first woman president Cassidy. <laughs> So like the the intent there is just so is so deeply meaningful to me because I my dad from day one believed like you can do anything. And I think as a woman that messaging was was really was really powerful for me. But I was all I was still a woman growing up surrounded by a lot of societal messages um about what it means to be a woman, what a woman can do and what she can't or quote unquote can't. Um and and then also just a, a, a ton of pressure, like, you know, like um, they didn't they, – unintentional pressure. And that definitely led to a lot of performance anxiety, like even panic attacks when I was in college. And when it, com- when it came to my relationship with school and with work, um, like workaholism, you know, like really like a lot of difficulty with like setting boundaries for myself when it came to work and just a lot of my identity tied up into like work performance. Um, And then I became a parent and I could not keep that up. And it felt like I was really losing this part of my identity, felt like I wasn't doing enough at work. But then when I was – when I then poured into that, I wasn't doing enough at home. Oh. Justine, am I alone in this or can you relate or do you know that others can relate? I can totally relate to everything you're saying, especially the workaholism. And I feel like when I work with my um, coaching clients that identify as workaholic, I always say like it takes one to no one. I was that as well. And what drives that typically for people is fear, right? If I work less, something bad is going to happen. Um, I am not going to be successful if I don't work this many hours or dedicate this much time to my work. I will fail in some ways. So there's fear that lives under the behaviors, right? And that fear drives our thoughts and our beliefs, which are constructed from our conditioning, from our family, what has been resembled to us. Um, Even on a community level, right? I have a practice in a very affluent area and a lot of the families um, have really great jobs that take up a lot of time. Um, And so a lot of the teens I see, you know, talk about that too and what the expectations are for what career path they take when they leave the nest and what what kind of degree they pursue. But there's a lot of um, fear behind all of it. 
or there's a lot of shoulds or musts, right? I, I must work this much. I should work this much. Or I should spend this much time with my child. I shouldn't ever leave my child. There's so many shoulds, shouldn'ts, musts that guide how we feel. And we really need to unpack all of that. And sometimes that unpacking is getting to know the family history like you're sharing with yours, right? So you are modeled such amazing such amazing things. Um, and you had such cheerleaders for you becoming a working woman, which is phenomenal. Um, but we also have to recognize, you know, you and I, we love our jobs and we're blessed to have careers that we're excited about. There's so many women that have children and then go back to work because they absolutely have to, because financially they have to. Um, or they have jobs that they resent and they and they hate, and so then it's even harder to to leave their child or their baby because they know yeah. they financially need to do it. So yeah. there's it's complicated and looks different for everybody. Yeah, and I think that's an important piece to name here. It is so nuanced, right? Our our history, our context, our particular situations. And so I, I don't want to ever I don't want to put you in the position of having to you know jump to any conclusions when this is such a nuanced experience. Um, but I would love to hear a little bit more from you in terms of what some of the symptoms of this can look like. I, I you've named anxiety and fear. Um, there's the boundary, like finding that you have a really hard time with boundaries. Um, but yeah, are there other sort of like boxes that someone listening might begin to nod or check off for themselves to begin to explore, is this something that I might want to do some more work around, you know, so that they can get that more individualized support. But what, what are some of the symptoms? What, what, what might this look like? Yeah, totally. So I think high anxiety and stress is one of the first red flags, right? If you're feeling high anxiety and stress around managing your work life or going to work or or trying to do it all as a mom, that's a first sign that something needs to be fixed, right? And so anxiety is our friend. We need anxiety. We were built to have anxiety. It tells us that there's something wrong and we get into that fight, flight, or freeze mode. It helped us survive as a species. We need anxiety. It's giving us information. So I always want to look at anxiety as like, thank you for coming here. What do I need to correct? Mm -hmm. Or what do I need to work on? So usually anxiety is a red flag for people. And then I take that to the next level. So workaholic it's not a diagnosis in the DSM, but there are some scales that can try and measure um, work addiction. So there's actually the Bergen work addiction scale that I sometimes go through with my clients that has them identify different aspects of this. So some of the questions are, have you ever um, thought about how you can free up your time to work more? Have you ever spent more time (laughs) working than you initially intended to? Do you work in order to reduce feelings of guilt, anxiety, helplessness, depression? Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever been told to cut down on work without, you know, listening to the input of that loved one? Um, Do you deprioritize your hobbies or or your self-care or leisure time in order to work? Have you ever worked so much that it's influenced, um, negatively influenced your relationships or your health? So there's a lot of questions that once I start asking people, they're like, yep, Yep. Yep. (laughs) And then then we go into that, right? So that is one way of like really looking at your behaviors is are you 
going out of your way to work more, right? So then we have more of an addiction to work, right? But are you also substituting work to avoid things in life? Are, is there like a trauma response here that if you're sitting still, um, you feel unproductive or you have anxious thoughts creep in? But there's also a lot of moms that feel better about being a worker than a mother. They, f- they feel like they're not a good mother and they're lacking. So their strength is working. So they tend to lean towards, well, I'm going to work more because I'm better at my job than I am at being a mom. Oof. That, that one I know is something I, I've experienced personally and that I know so many other women and men and humans like experiencing because sometimes when we feel that sense of like shame maybe like I'm you know I know for for so many in the postpartum that big that really big transition just feeling like oh my gosh like I feel like I don't know what I'm doing here I feel helpless like I feel like I've lost parts of my identity that I miss and then feeling shame or you know I lose it on my kids and I'm yelling all the time and I just don't like who I am at home and the shame of like there's something deeply wrong with me or the guilt that can pop up. Sometimes how we respond to those feelings is like, I don't want to feel them. I want to avoid them. I want to – and so I'll just – one way that we can kind of – some folks will numb from that or like keep those feelings over at bay and not feel consumed by those is to dive into work. Or it's just like, okay, well, at work, at least I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I feel like I get some praise maybe or some feedback that I'm doing a good job and that feels good. Or it's just like I have more control over there, it feels like. Or I like who I am when I'm at work better than I, I feel out of control at home. There's just so many reasons why someone might um, get pulled into this this relationship with work that's that's really sticky and oh, okay so I my- totally agree with that and I have to say this happened to me this morning Cassidy so <laughs> my daughter she's 20 months 5 a.m she's wide awake and I'm like pissed I'm like <laughs> this is two hours earlier than you normally wake up and it was a poop right and she didn't yeah. go back to sleep after that I'm like no. So she is so cranky and I'm trying to make my breakfast and finally feed myself and she's just a a beast, right? Like she is so cranky and clingy and I can't even feed myself the egg sandwich that I'm trying to make. And I, I observe myself thinking, ooh, I get to drop them off at grandma's today before I go to work and I don't have to worry about like a certain time. There's no preschool. So I get to drop them off early and get to work earlier. Like I wanted to escape. I'm like, get me out of here. Like this is a mess. I can't wait to drop them off and go to work. But you you touched on it. It's a sense of control. I feel so good about my work and what my day was at the office today. And I was feeling badly about how I was handling um, the situation mm. with my daughter and my son. And I, I paused myself. I'm like, oh, that is so sad. I was so excited that, to drop my kids off. And I I changed my perspective. I got it together. I spent more time with them. But it happened this morning. So I love that you brought that up. You know, this really this brings up something that I think, you know, touches on another piece you shared earlier about kind of like developing this like 
new relationship with these parts of yourself that can pop up, whether it's guilt or anxiety. And it it brings me back to when my oldest was one and I was making the decision to go back to get my PhD. And I went back and forth. Like this was a torturous decision that like my mm-hmm. whole family was like along the journey with me for because I was just like – I was so dis- like so distraught over the making this decision. And what it came down to is that there were values of mine that felt really conflictual in this decision point. I value presence. And I knew by saying yes, I was going to be commuting pretty far to get to the school. I was not going to be present all the time. I wasn't going to have as much quantity of time with my child. And I also have values that really much aligned with the decision to pursue this degree and to further my education And I really, really struggled. And then I think, I don't think, I know from now having walked through it, and I did not do this perfectly by any means, but I got to a place of being able to see, okay, these, yes, these two things I value, but in my, like how I'm holding them is like, these are, these are so, these are so both so important and they're, they feel really conflictual and now I'm just so stuck. But what, what's really interesting is that I was able to find a relationship with guilt that when it popped up, when I was driving away from home, knowing I'm not going to get the quantity of time with my child today because I'm going to school, I said I would. Literally, like, I talked to myself, like, hey, guilt, there you are. I knew you'd show up. Like, of course, you're coming along for this commute because you're reminding me that presence with my child is really important to me. And you're right. But actually, there's this other thing that's also very important to me. And if I, if I feed my soul by doing this, then the quality of the time that I spend with my child once I'm there is going to be that much more present because I am connecting to this other part of myself. So you're right, guilt, but the, the guilt doesn't always get the whole picture. It doesn't look at the whole context. Like guilt just pops up and it's like, oh, but you, you're doing this thing and it's out of alignment with this thing that's really important to you. And it's like, wait, hold on, let's breathe, let's pause. And then when I was, you know, with my child and, you know, I felt the pull to like check my phone or to respond to this like, you know, group project thing or I felt like I was not doing enough. Um, I'd remind myself, yeah, that you also value presence. And so truly, I found that I actually became that much more, once I was able to do this work, became that much more clear about what my boundaries were, right, on both ends, that actually felt more, even more fulfilling and more aligned because it wasn't so much driven by like anxiety or performance, right? And like, I need this to feel good about myself. It's like, no, I'm actually making decisions rooted in what's things that are deeply meaningful to me, value informed. And that, that was the end. That was, that was, that took a lot of work, a lot of years of unpacking. And, um, and, and that's why I think this idea of balance is just BS. Cause it's like, was my life balanced? No, it was super messy. And the, constantly having to make these like decisions and these reminders of like what I'm going to choose to prioritize here in this moment to be present with this moment. Um, and a whole lot of conversations with my partner so that we were sharing the load, right? Um, and that we had clarity on like 
who was doing what and how we were supporting each other with equality in our relationship. Um, and lots of things that I came up against, you know, just in the world, like, you know, in terms of like how much, you know, paid leave and like there's, there's so many things to come up against when you're doing this work. And I think it's so important to name that. Um, so that when someone's like, this feels really freaking hard, it's like, yeah, it is hard because the world literally has not, is not set up to support women <laughs> in, yeah. you know, in the workforce. Um, uh, get me, get so me many good points. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'd love to hear more of kind of, could you kind of walk us through some of these steps of like developing this relationship? this new relationship, whether it's with anxiety or with guilt or these beliefs of these shoulds um, or even just these, gosh, these big societal discourses that we just are breathing in every day. Like how do you – what are some like some more tangible steps of what this might look like in the work? Yeah. Yeah. So I think step one is trying to really – Observe your self-talk, right? What are you saying to yourself in your brain on that drive like you noticed to and from work? What you're saying to yourself over the weekend about work? What are you saying to yourself about your role as a mother, right? Observe those thoughts. Start to be very present with those thoughts and try not to attach to them. Try not to judge them. Just kind of take note of what are these thoughts? Are these thoughts helpful to me? Are they hurtful to me? How are these thoughts making me feel? And that's some of the kind of behavioral therapy I do with clients is kind of observing the way we think because our thoughts lead to how we feel and how we act, right? So you first want to get familiar with what's your pattern? What are the things you're even saying to yourself? Then you would get to behind those thoughts are those beliefs, right? And this is usually in the next step with a therapist or a coach trying to figure out where did those beliefs that lead to the thoughts come from, right, with the modeling and the family life and the experiences. And we have so many beliefs that really limit us that we have to start to understand how we can challenge them, right? So that's step one. Then also, while you're doing that, try and separate your work from your worth, right? So sitting still is really uncomfortable for a lot of people. You are not your work, just like you are not just a mother. You're not just a mom. You're a mom. You're this. You're that. You're just not a lawyer or a doctor. You're other things too, right? So expand the identity to not be just one thing. Really encompass all the different parts of your identity and appreciate that. Then I would add in your work with values, right? After you're understanding the beliefs, identify your values and let those values help you guide those decisions. And once you have those values clear, then you can set those boundaries with work. And some might look like baby steps, right? So I do a lot of exposure therapy with anxiety. Um, and so that's when we expose the client to the feared situation slowly. And when it comes to working less, we're afraid to work less. So we kind of slowly expose the person to working less and have them learn nothing bad is going to happen, right? So we'd start slow, set an away message on your email saying that you're unavailable for the weekend or you're unavailable at these times, right? That's the first step. Maybe you change your voicemail to clarify your work hours, right? Then you're also going to focus, like you said before, on the quality over quantity in both ways, right? So in my practice, I don't want to have 50 clients a week. I want a less amount, 
cut that in half even and then cut that a little bit back more because I want quality clients that I'm working with so I can do my quality work, right? And then same thing when we're with our kids. Don't count the hours. I literally would count the hours that I saw my son when he was a kid and compare it to how much I was working because I was so anxious if I was doing enough with him. I would count the hours and compare. Don't count the hours. Focus on quality of time at home with your kid. Are you sitting really present with your kid with your phone away? Do you have to hide the phone from you? Keep it in the work bag. Put it upstairs in a drawer so you're not distracted. So really focus on that quality. So learn how to set those boundaries around your work life or your home life. And they're not always perfect. Sometimes you're going to be pulled more to spend time at home. Sometimes you're going to be pulled more to set time at work. But you want to communicate the boundaries in in both ways, right? So just like you would communicate with a boss like, oh, I have to leave early today. I have a doctor's appointment. Communicate that with your kids too or your partner. You know what? I have to work a little bit later today. I have an important presentation, but I'll be home at this time. So I think communication's key. And one of the last steps I always talk about is learn how to delegate, right? So Usually, if you are a type A person who finds themselves as a workaholic, you're probably awful at delegating. And you would probably (laughs) totally benefit from hiring assistant if you can. Or maybe you're doing your coworkers' work when they should be doing it. Talk to them about what they need to do. Maybe you delegate more at home. You have conversations with your partner about what they could help with. Maybe you lean on family members. Maybe you're able to hire extra child childcare. Think about how you can delegate some of what you're taking on. Oh, I appreciate this so much. I think that you really made this like step-by-step very tangible. And I know for someone who is maybe more type A, um, it's like that's like my brain, my brain really likes that. My brain's like, oh, yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> and, and I, but I think it's also so important um, that like that's – it's it's going to be messy, right? Like it's – I always, for myself, I have to do this, remind myself that like perfection's never the goal. Like, you know, like now, now my idea of like trying to have a better relationship with, with work and all this, like, I don't want to take all my old junk and like bring that into that work, right? Like that's not going to be perfect either. Um, and it's, it's really, it's really about like these check-ins with yourself and like meeting these parts of yourself with grace and with compassion. And I think why that first step of really understanding the context and the history of what kind of got you there, it really does help me meet these parts of myself with compassion because I see little me who was like, I'm going to be the first woman president. And like looking to my parents who, gosh, worked so hard and truly loved their jobs um, and just believed I could do anything, but also really had a hard time resting and had their own history that kind of brought them to why that was difficult for them. And finding ways for me to reclaim for myself that rest and margins and space and these different parts of my identity and being able to not just be my job or not just be a mom, that I can that I can do that that I, that I that I'm worthy of all of that right and gosh to be able to show that to my kids like I think part of part of what I would kind of land on when I was when I went back to school when my oldest was only, was one was I'd I'd remind myself like I am show I'm going to show her that she 
gets to have interests outside of motherhood and that I she could work if she wants to. She can do these things if she wants to. And gosh, let me also model what it looks like to put it away, to rest, to enjoy life, to have pleasure in my life, right? Um, have boundaries. So I think that a lot of times people will come in and initially initiate therapy because they're like, I'm a parent now and all these things feel so much harder and all these things are getting triggered because <laughs> having kids does that. And also like I don't want to screw my kids up or I don't want to like model all this for them. I want them to to not have these same struggles. And you know, that's sometimes what initially brings people in and I'm like whatever brought you in, I'm just so glad you're here. And now we can do the work of seeing why uh, – of doing the work of really owning that like you are worthy of all this too, even outside of of your role in your kid's life. Um, Justine, this was so wonderful. Uh, I'm so grateful to you and for sharing parts of your story and also sharing all of your wisdom and just this full circle experience with you. Where can people find you to connect sure. with you? Well, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this topic and I love talking to you. Um, so my website is carinocounseling.com where you can find me and all that I do there. I have an Instagram account, which is at thoughts from the couch. Um, so I can do um, therapy in New York state. I can provide coaching to anyone anywhere in the world. Um, and I just launched an online course for anxiety management. I wanted to create something people can do at home to learn some of the basic skills that I found myself repeating over and over to all of my clients. Um, so that is called the path to peace. And you can also find that on my website. And it's like a, it's a mini course. It's seven days, 20 to 30 minutes a day because it's designed for the overachieving perfectionist that doesn't have much time anyway, but they want to cut to the chase. They want those foundational skills that help them learn anxiety management. So it's not therapy. It's skill-based, but it's kind of like a start if you are the type of person that's overthinking, needs to learn some more boundaries to decrease your stress. So that's on the website too. Oh, just the way you describe that. I'm like, first of all, peace. Give me, give me some of that. I'll take, I'll take that. And then I love that it's seven days, 20 to 30 minutes just feels so manageable. Um, and to like, you you can fit that, you can fit that in and then come off, come out with some peace. Yes. Incredible. I'll include links in the show notes. People can get connected with you. Justine, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.